The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to discuss uh, recent events in All Elite Wrestling. I say recent events because of course we missed last week. So Mike, why don't you kick us off? Stock up, stock down. Yeah, I, I texted Joel on, I think, Thursday of last week. I'm like, we need to wait until after Rampage because you need to see what went down. Um, and I'm obviously talking about the Stars Born more moment. Ugh, Stars Born moment. Ugh, uh, Will Yuta versus John Moxley. And Joel, I, I was there live, you know, so I'm, I'm trying not to let the the shine of seeing it in person and experience the crowd. Um influenced me too much but this was one of the best matches story-wise i think i've ever seen like from start to finish the story was crystal clear and and, and what we've seen from uh the bcc and and you up to this point you know had to gain the respect gain the respect and the fact that you know yuda was the one who got busted open early and he must have Ric Flair jeans because that guy was bleeding nonstop the entire match. I don't know if you saw some of the pictures where like you literally see blood squirting out of his face. Um, it was wild, but just the, the way the crowd got into this, keep in mind, this was at like 11 o'clock at night when this match finally started. So you had three, four hours of wrestling at that point to be able to draw the crowd back into it and the crowd being as loud and as passionate about it. And like, I liked Will Yuta a lot prior to this match, but like I was actively cheering and like every near fall took like a few, few years off my life. I, I it was that type of match for me. Um, everything about it, the way that he started using moves from Danielson and Moxley towards the end of the match. Um, oh, sorry. I, I'm going on and on. Joel, what, what, what are your thoughts when you finally watch this match? Did I overhype it? Uh, I don't think I don't think you overhyped it. I, I don't know that I agree with like one of the best stories I've ever seen because I mean it was really well done, but the story is pretty basic. Um, Doesn't matter if it's basic, and, if the story's the, executed. The t- <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I mean, when you talk about like best ever, I mean there there are some some. Pretty I think amazing I, I think matches. I, I think out I prefaced it saying that one of the best stories I've ever seen. Like maybe maybe I need to reiterate in person. You mean like, like in person? Yeah, I might because okay, like okay, that's, I, a, that's I, a different I, story. I literally saw like a face uh, a Twitter tw- uh, thing today. He's like, list your five greatest in person wrestling moments that you've seen in your life, and this one made it on my list for me. Like that could be a whole other episode that we do, but you mean um, it's not Kingston dumping Kruger into a pile of chairs five <laughs> times. Like just that's number one, two, three, that, four, and five. That was honorable mention. That was honorable mention. <laughs> um, I've been to a lot of pro wrestling, Joel. So like, there's a lot of memories um, that I, that I have on this list. So um, I think one of the things that, that was a takeaway for me in this match was like, I wondered like how much experience does Yuta have blading? Because <laughs> usually when you see that kind of blood, you did gun goofed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, and, and a lot of pro wrestlers have talked about this before, but particularly when it's like, Oh yeah. Blading for the first time uh, is you do it once and you don't feel anything. So you think, 
oh, I, I guess I didn't successfully open up my head. Let me do it a couple more times. <laughs> and then instead of having, you know, one hole in your head that you're bleeding from, you now have three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just gushing, absolutely dripping all over everything. And um, really, really great job of playing into it, too. Like, mm -hmm when he like had his, his kind of power pose and then was wiping his own blood all over his chest. And yeah, like that was really impressive. I audibly gasped when he kicked out of the paradigm shift for the first time. That I was completely happen. bullshit <laughs> when he kicked out of the paradigm shift the second time. And, you know, AEW does a fairly good job of protecting big finishers, like mm -hmm. not everything, but you know, there so are used. some finishers that, that pretty much don't get kicked out of. And, um, you know, and it was it, like the lifted paradigm shift too, like the one where you're, you're coming down hard. Like you're, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was wild. Cause I can't recall many wrestlers kicking out of the paradigm shift since he's joined AEW. It's, it's, it's up there. Probably what, what's the most protective finisher? One winged angel obviously. Yeah, I would say so. You know, so I mean, now that someone has kicked out of the end of days, you know? Well, yes, of course. Sorry. I forgot <laughs> about the end of days. Um, but yeah, so I, I really, I just really love this. It's, I, I mentioned this, we mentioned this every fucking week. If you're going to bring in a bunch of older guys, veterans from other companies that kind of, you know, got famous somewhere else, use them like this, like make new stars. Like, Anytime Will Uta enters a match now, I'm like, this guy can win it. Like, it doesn't matter who he's facing. Like, it doesn't matter that he lost. The story is, you know, how he came out as a badass. Um, and I love I loved the Black Bull Combat, Combat Club. Like, this this is really fun. This group is... I, I have zero complaints of how this story has gone. Like, Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty flawless so far. You know, a lot of people like to make the comparison, and it's a fair comparison of AEW to WCW and a lot of the presentation elements of it. And I think people like to pretend like WCW was not a massively successful and incredibly profitable company. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, and, and, you know, WWF at the time was also, you know, massively successful, highly profitable at the same time. It is possible to have mm -hmm. two highly successful wrestling companies at the same time. <laughs> WCW yeah. didn't die out because, they didn't have a good product. They died out because they failed to generate new stars. And as a result, it got stale. And then the booking got terrible. Uh, AEW is doing a good job of creating new stars uh, and hopefully can avoid the trap of, you know, getting stale. And even like some of the reinvention that takes place, like Chris Jericho has had his moments where he's kind of gotten stale and boring and it's like, okay, that's my cue. Change up this character, give you a slightly different look. I'm really enjoying like the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Wheeler Yuta is just the latest in a line of clearly identifiable stars that were not on people's radar in terms of big time wrestling mm -hmm. talent prior to the start of AEW. And, you know, Yuta is the next one to make the leap. It, it was Jungle Boy, it was MJF, it was Darby, it was Sammy. So, you know, he's there. Yeah, it's 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 really wonderful. And what I love, too, is that since he is the Ring of Honor pure champion, like he's going to get a chance to showcase whatever Ring of Honor becomes. 
under Tony Khan. If it's a weekly show, if it's maybe a monthly eye pay-per-view, whatever, he's going to get a chance to not just show his skill, but like be high up on the card. Um, you know, you don't have to see him have these type of matches every single week in AEW. You also need him to have him going up against the biggest stars every week in W. We know we know he can do it now. When he does get those chances in AEW, it's going to be great. But he's going to have a chance to carry a major title for another promotion that's either going to get pay-per-view time or potentially TV time. Like, that's 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 awesome. It's 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 great. So I think we've gushed about this as long as... Uh, Wheeler Uter's head gushed, but uh, I just wanted to make sure we touched on that before we moved on to this week's Dynamite. Anything else to say, Joel, before we move on to our next Stock Up, Stock Down? I mean, just that this is exactly the kind of thing that Moxley wanted to be doing, Mm -hmm. is having matches like this, having the creative freedom to do this kind of thing, and uh, you know, put over young talent and give back to the business. And I think you know, AEW has used Moxley flawlessly. There there was not really a frame of time where I was like, hmm, Moxley's not really over. Moxley's not really doing anything interesting. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think I was ready for him to drop the belt when he dropped the belt. Oh, yeah. This but time. that's more of a matter of like, he never needs to hold the belt again. Like, he's yeah. so compelling and interesting that he doesn't need a title. And uh, that's not something you could have said about Dean Ambrose, you know? No, no. And remember, he, like, was, he was great when he had the title, like that run that he had on SmackDown where he yep. was holding the championship was tremendous. Oh, those but then, matches he would, with AJ. then he would drop the title and it's like, well, why do I care anymore? Like you're suddenly not interesting. And, you know, it, it's the difference between the title making the wrestler and the wrestler making the title. And Moxley is at a point now where if you have a title that's getting stale and you need to make it mean something, you could put it on Moxley, but he doesn't need to have yeah. one. You, you could put the belt on him and it could be a short-term thing. You know, hey, hold this for a month, six weeks. You know, just give us a little boost here. And also with how they work with other companies, like, isn't Moxley still the... Did he... I don't know. He was the U.S. NJPW U.S. champion for a long time. I don't can't recall if he's still their champion or not. I think he might be. No, he dropped I, that belt. Did he drop that? Okay. Yeah, he um, dropped it to Lance Archer. Who then dropped it to uh, someone else? Hikaleo. <laughs> that was that something like that. Um, but anywho, it's they can also put him in situations with other promotions where he gets a big match like that. Like if you wanted to put Moxley in it, I think they already had this, but Moxley Suzuki, like you had Samoa Joe Suzuki tonight, it would be a big deal title or no title. So um, yeah. But speaking of which let's move on, Joel. If you had to get slapped by one person, Samoa, Samoa Joe or Minoru Suzuki, who would you, who would you pick? You have to pick one. I would see myself out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I sent a picture of Samoa Joe's chest to my girlfriend. I'm like, they've been slapping each other for about five minutes. And she's like, that's fucking gross. I'm like, welcome to wrestling. (laughs) Like, um, Yeah, that's not a choice that I would make. I would not be sending pictures (laughs) of of wrestlers chests to my significant other. Uh, but I, I have to cop out because, like, I have well-documented shoulder problems, and I have every confidence that if 
I took a full on chop from either Suzuki or Joe that it could very well pop my shoulder out. And uh, I'm not I'm not here for that. I've experienced that recently and it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. But um, this was a fun main event. Uh, Kind of surreal to see these two guys in the ring in 2022. I have no idea whether or not their paths have crossed, you know, in years past, but um, this was super fun to see that on an AEW show. Um, and you, you texted it. I'll, uh, Suzuki's scary as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a kind of partially hunched over under six feet tall, 53 year old man. Yeah. And he is absolutely terrifying. And when he went out into the middle of the ring towards the end of the match and was like, one more time. And they started just wailing on each other again. It was like, <laughs> Oh my God, how many times are we going to do this? And not in a, I'm sick of it sort of way, but in a, I feel bad for these guys sort of way. Like they are yeah. beating the shit out of each other. How, how, how did WWE not make it work with Samoa Joe? Not once, but twice. Like I so I know he had injuries. Yeah, but like and I think that's you know I'm I'm not an insider, obviously, but everything that I've read is that Vince has very little patience for you once he in his head tags you as being someone who's injury prone. Finn Balor, <laughs> like <laughs> right, and so then yeah. you're just not going to be at the top of the card. You know, you might get to hold the Intercontinental or U.S. title, but you're not going to get put in that big spot if you're someone who has a lot of injuries. And, you know, I, I think you can look at the top stars over the last 10 years, the people who have consistently been in the title picture and durability is a big mark of yeah. what they bring to the table. You know, obviously there have been major injuries, but I think that's a little bit different than the nagging, this kind of injury that holds you out frequently, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking of like, man, remember when they had the SummerSlam fatal four way between Lesnar, Strowman, Reigns, and Samoa Joe that summer. Cause that was also the great balls of fire summer where Joe and Lesnar fucking tore it down. That just, match was uh, great. Yeah. I, at one of those points, like, and, and even Braun Strowman back then too, like, he came out looking great in that match. Just what could have been with those two guys. But hey, WWE's uh, loss is our gain as AEW stands. And seeing Samoa Joe in an AEW ring is awesome. Uh, I can't wait for the, you know, we're going to get like him to cross paths with CM Punk at some point. Or Danielson at some point. I'm actually, other than Sansom Singh, debuting and no one knowing how to react. I actually liked everything with Jay lethal and uh, what Sanjay Dutt uh, post-match. So I I think my, my take on that is it it doesn't matter who he is. He's huge. He's an enormous human being and he's not being presented as the challenger, right? No, he's not the person who is going to be feuding with Samoa Joe. It's Jay lethal. This is all about Jay lethal and Samoa Joe. And this is just Jay being a heel and stacking the odds in his favor with a truly massive human (laughs) being. You know, I had commented to you earlier in the evening 
how big Samoa Joe is. <laughs> and like he, you know, you mentioned like he looks bigger in an AEW ring than he did in WWE, which is true. And then he's completely <laughs> dwarfed, dwarfed. So by <laughs> this this mass of humanity. And I I'm all for it. It doesn't matter to me who that is. I don't need to know who it is. All I need to know is that guy's a giant. Yeah, it it really like when he threw him into the stairs and then he like kind of picked him up. You could really tell the fucking height difference. So if you didn't know, Satam Singh was a Dallas Mavericks draft pick a few years ago. Um, It was kind of like a favor to the league. Like they had a bunch of second round picks and, you know, Mark Cuban, he's like, oh, you know, I can market this guy. He sucked. He was absolutely atrocious at basketball. Um, There were beat writers saying on the very first like day of practice, this guy's never going to make it as an NBA player. Um, giant, giant professional wrestler who may might have a little more uh, hip flexibility than, you know, the, the great colleague. There's potential there. Um, I, I think I think the biggest thing for me is you could have him debut as the muscle, but not do the whole lights off. The lights off debut is such a you expect big things when you get that, like you could have just had Jay lethal be like, Hey man, like here's the middle finger. And, uh, this guy's going to beat your ass. Boom. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel those like lights out, especially with how long the light stayed off. Plus how they advertise like, Oh, this is one of the first dynamites where we get run over time. No matter what we're going over. <laughs> it's for something. I don't know. I, I think if you do it a little differently, you don't get this kind of meh blah ending to the show because the Jay Lethal Samoa Joe stuff is fascinating. I I didn't feel meh or blah about it at all. I loved it. I really did. I was like, sweet, Jay Lethal has muscle now. Because to be quite frank, Jay Lethal, we've seen Jay Lethal Samoa Joe before. And like Advantage Joe. You know, you you need to do something <laughs> here, particularly with Joe being positioned in the babyface role. You needed to do something to even the odds, and I think this fit the bill. Uh, but, but but Joel, he had San, he has Sanjay Dutt in his corner. That's all the muscle you need. Well, uh, no, <laughs> no, that's I mean, that's 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 it's a no for me. But you know, I, I think. I, I think there's a contingent that kind of played themselves because you pay attention to the announcements and on like dirt sheets about like, oh, it's running over tonight. Expect something big. I didn't see that. So, so like, I didn't even expect anything big. Like I knew about it. And then they mentioned it in the show, like, hey, you know, we're staying with this no matter how long it takes. Like, I actually didn't expect anything. I just thought, the, oh, cool. Suzuki and Joe are going to get the time they need to deliver a great match. <laughs> And we get Satam Singh. So, hey, whatever. Um, I'm looking forward to Jay Lethal and uh, Samoa Joe. I think Jay Lethal is a very, like, I like him as a heel. Um, I think it works with how they're they're doing things right now. I marked out with the present and the middle finger, finger coming out of it. I know it's cheesy as hell, but I got a good laugh out of that. So, um, yeah. Why don't we move on? Uh, we kind of tossed around this third stock up, stock down a little bit, but um, look at Team Taz picking up a big win, Joel. 
I never yeah, thought you know, I'd see the day. <laughs> AEW lets people win in their hometown sometimes. It's kind of yeah. nice. You know, I, I know Ricky Starks kind of hails from Texas, but he's from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of confusing to me because um, he was calling it a hometown match when he was having a match in Texas. <laughs> uh, I don't know if maybe like he's from New Orleans by way of Texas. I don't know exactly what the situation is, but they were treating this like a hometown match, too. And he won this one. So that's great. Hey man, if I was a professional wrestler, I would say every week I'm from this hometown. <laughs> I, I pro- that would probably mean I'm a jobber and I'm just getting squashed every single week. Um, but you know what? The crowd's stupid. They don't know. That like... gimmick has to have been done before. <laughs> that gimmick absolutely has to have been done before. But if it hasn't, then then how is that possible? Someone must <laughs> Someone do needs this. to do that. Every week just I'm come a hometown out favorite. Right here. <laughs> yeah. And you have it. Michael, the hometown favorite Aranda, weighing in at 200 pounds. Like it would work. Um, but anywho, I, I, I love this, these, these, this pairing of these four guys, like they've kind of done a little round Robin type thing over the last few weeks on rampage. Um, the matches have been really fun. I thought there was some pretty cool stuff in this match. Uh, I love swerve like using, um, uh, Keith Lee's gigantic chest as a springboard, (laughs) which, which always looks cool when you use a big person as a, a launching pad. Um, this, I don't know if someone throws a better looking spear right now than Ricky Starks. I love his spear. It's so fucking impactful for a little dude. Well, I think, you know, he hit the spear in a couple of different ways, which was cool. Mm -hmm. I really liked him launching himself from the turnbuckle um, and and hitting Keith Lee. Uh, I thought his dive, that diving flipping DDT that he hit on Swerve was really good. Uh, But for me... I mean, the spot of the match is always going to go to Swerve. someone hitting a giant <laughs> spine buster. Oh, that, <laughs> like, that was a big spine buster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and obviously Keith Lee is is crazy athletic and he can help out a lot with, with the leaping there. But the power that it takes to deliver a good looking spine buster to someone the size of Keith Lee. I that mean, was the that was the finish, right? Yes. It was like Taz tripping him, going into the spine buster. And normally I'd be like, oh, a spine buster has a finishing move. No, 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 no. This spine buster earns a finish. It was that impressive. And, you know, I remember when uh, when James Storm had a cup of coffee in NXT. And um, he talked about it in an interview and he was like, yeah, uh, you know, Triple H took me aside and was like, hey, what do you want to use as a finisher? And I told him, like, well, I've always used a super kick as a finisher. And he was like, mm, well, we have a lot of people lot who, of use, <laughs> who use super kicks. And, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not really a finisher. And he's like, when I do it, it's a fucking finisher. <laughs> <laughs> and I think so, that's the way you have to do it, right? Like, that should be the presentation. It's, you know, OK, sure. A spine buster is not a finisher. But when Will Hobbs does a spine buster, it's a goddamn finisher. Mm hmm. Yeah. And on commentary, like it's like, oh, this person is the master of this move, right? Like it can be a move that other people do. They're just not as good at it. Yeah. No one does the gotch style pile driver like Minoru Suzuki. When he does it, you don't get up. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, yeah, I love, I love this match. This was super fun. Um, Swerve is, God, super impressive. I, I'm going to bring up one thing from Rampage again, real quick. QT Marshall threw him out of the ring and he like went over the ropes 
into like a somersault or like a hit handstand off of yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. ring apron. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen that spot before, but like it's so freaking smooth. Like I, I still don't really get how it works. <laughs> like how how he's able to do that, but it, some of the way he moves looks like like lucha libre crossed with break dancing. Like yeah, like when he's on the ground and gets up into the like the hurricane rana. Yeah, like it's it's incredible. He's he's so freaking talented. Um, I had some people. I had some. I had a friend with me who's not not a regular wrestling fan. He helped go to events with me every now and then. He, he other than the the wheel Uter match, he talked about it like, wow, I've never seen anyone like Swerve before. Yeah, like there's so, like so many cool things that he does. Um, I don't know if this is kind of the end of this little feud they've been doing, but uh, I need to see all four of these guys doing more things. And God, honestly, just give like give Ricky Starks and Hobbs like a tag title match, like that'd be fun. Like that'd be really fun. <laughs> like or. Yeah, I think they got to get in line behind uh, FTR. But um, <laughs> speaking of repackaging, I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, FTR, I was so ready for them to drop the titles and go do other things. And now it's like, yeah, I want to see FTR holding the belts again. Let's yeah. get them out there with the Ring of Honor, AAA and AEW yeah. tag championships all at once. Like, Absolutely. And I we're, we're going back to last week's Boston show, but Joe, I don't know if you could tell how loud the reaction were oh was for FTR. They are so over right now. So freaking over it. Just the last few weeks, few months, you could tell like fans want to cheer FTR so bad. And the eighties music, like I love their shirts tonight. The six star FTR t-shirts yep. and they're just putting out, incredible matches like i like the uh 80s style living legends shirt a little bit better that one is sweet yeah they they're they they really can't do anything wrong right now and i'm actually kind of like in my head i was like oh yeah the bucks are gonna win this match last week and they're gonna go to you know triple mania whatever and then like i was just i was just completely i marked out i marked out for ftr which i never thought i would do um to that extent so um yeah you want to move on to lightning round we kind of started a lightning round with ftr talk yeah let's continue lightning round lightning round so i i forgot for a moment tonight joel that you were a little bit behind so you were doing catch up during the commercials and i sent you a very emphatic whoa and i dude Waiting like the 10 minutes for you to realize what I was going for. I was like shaking in anticipation for your response. Joel, Dalton Castle, just very casually thrown out there, will be at Battle of the Belts this weekend facing Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor Championship with the boys in the graphic. Joel, you got me into Dalton Castle. I have like three or four Dalton Castle t-shirts. I'm pretty stoked. I'm very excited. Uh, I mean, you're burying the lead here, though, because who's Dalton Castle facing? Oh, yeah. Jonathan Gresham. Gresham. <laughs> Arguably the greatest Both. wrestler on the planet right now. You know, it's 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 him and, and Brian Danielson. And, and that's pretty much, you know, among active wrestlers. That's it. Uh, there, there's no one else on that level in terms of technical wrestling right now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to see this match. Um, I'm excited that some of these 
ROH guys who have been kicking around for a while are going to get in front of the biggest television audiences of their careers. Mm -hmm. Uh, To my knowledge, Jonathan Gresham has not wrestled uh, for this many eyeballs. For my knowledge, Dalton Castle has not wrestled for this many eyeballs. So that's huge and really, really exciting. Um, until Ring of Honor gets their television situation figured out, I think we can expect to see more of this kind of stuff with integrating the talent onto AEW programming, which I am all for. I think that's great. Uh, and then it gets the fans interested in these guys and and gals. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of Women of Honor folks in the Owen tournament. And uh, so there's, there's just a lot to be excited about right now. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of how they launched AEW. you know, they didn't have a weekly television show at first. So you had these pay-per-views spread out over a few weeks, a few months where we kind of got a taste. Okay. Here are the players. Here are the characters. Here's what you should expect going into all out and then going into the first dynamite. So they're going to be able to highlight these ring of honor guys, you know, put them in big spots, put them in, you know, wherever you can put them all over the card, kind of get the fans accustomed to who the main players are. So whenever this Ring of Honor TV deal or pay-per-view strategy is announced, they can kind of hit the ground running with established guys, plus whatever AEW talent that Tony wants to use. Like, Danielson Gresham has to happen in 2022, right? You would think. like (laughs) I I would think. I would absolutely think. And I can't think of, like, a more amazing dream match right now. And it's within our graphs. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited. I wonder if that big announcement Tony's teasing next week, he's got to cut it out with the, the announcements are kind of getting funny at this point, but I wonder if that could be related to what, you know, a potential ring of honor structure schedule or something like that. But I guess we'll see. That was a little bit longer for a lightning round item, but Joel, what do you got for me? Uh, well, I am contractually obligated to talk about, uh, Adam page, <laughs> Uh, Adam Page was not on this episode, but we did get a promo for this match, which somehow I didn't realize was going to be on Rampage. Oh, yeah. Um, And this special episode of Rampage is shaping up to be pretty nice. Uh, And this whole weekend of programming looks really good. So um, I'm concerned for the first time in in Adam Page's title reign. I am concerned. Um, I don't want adam cole to win i don't want adam page to drop the belt uh and i I can't envision a future in which i want adam page to drop the belt um i am full on uh just in his corner in a way i haven't been since like i was a kid watching john cena so like we are at that level for me with with adam page joel he's not losing on friday you're okay. He's not going to lose on Friday Um, because he's not losing this belt until he loses it to MJF in maybe six months. So we have plenty of time to enjoy the hangman page championship reign. Fret not my friend. Well, speaking of MJF, I'm just going to steal the next one from you. I mean, it was supposed to go Um, back to me, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking it because you, you brought up MJF and I don't think MJF is the person because he's got a little Wardlow problem. 
And by oh, a little yeah. Wardlow problem, I mean, he's got a big Wardlow problem. <laughs> Any problem with Wardlow is a big problem. <laughs> I mean, at this point, technically, he also has a Sean Dean problem because he is 0-2 <laughs> against Sean Dean. <laughs> the whole Pinnacle has a Sean Dean problem, <laughs> like, <laughs> which the Pinnacle but might be two people now. But <laughs> I'd, I'd like to just submit a nomination to the Facial Acting Hall of Fame for Wardlow because like, this was like Roman Reigns levels of facial expressions telling a story and i mean that's something that he's excellent at and we've seen this from wardlow before but when he was standing behind mjf with his security shirt on and he's got that big smile on his face and then all of a sudden his face changed and you knew it was on from that moment Mm -hmm. it's fantastic and I love that they've managed to find slightly different ways of doing this Wardlow finding his way into the arena. Um, I loved the intensity of him grabbing the camera and screaming a promo Uh, at MJF. And like when MJF came up with like his brilliant plan, I really thought he was going to announce that he had booked Wardlow against Sean Dean because I thought that would have been really clever to be like, you've been helping this fucker out. Now yeah. you have to beat the shit out of him. Um, but, you know, it, the butcher. OK, that's fine. Yeah. I, what I loved about Herlo's facial expressions is when he when the ref was counting, doing the 10 count and he just kind of like looks over his shoulder waiting for that 10 with his little grin. Yeah. And then when the 10 count comes, he's like, ah! <laughs> like, oh, uh, it was great. I, I well, love like this. he kept fighting with the security guards up until yeah. he knew for sure. And then he visibly he's like, relaxed. <laughs> he's like, I'm good. I did what I came here for. And I loved it. You know, it was, you and I had great. talked about how we needed Wardlow to be off TV for a while to like make this work. We were wrong. We were 100% wrong. Give me Wardlow on my TV every single week because this guy is money. And you know what? They've done the ban from the arena thing without having to do the trope of I have a ticket. I'm going to sit here all night and watch you. I really thought we were going to get that because I love that trope. But um, this has worked really well. And now we're at the point where, okay, MJF is now on the offensive. You can't keep him away. Now we got to try and make him suffer. So yeah, he's going to face the butcher next week, which good for the fucking butcher, baby. Like I love this butcher Renaissance um, that we're having the band broke up, but the butcher is here and it's wonderful. Um, And yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what, you know, uh, MJF has in store for Wardlow over the next few months. Cause now with how they've now kind of transitioned the story, you can get this to, uh, double or nothing. You yes. can drag this five, six weeks to the pay-per-view and make this one of your marquee matches of the, the show. So it has a little bit of kind of like the labors of Jericho type of thing. Like, okay, I'm going to just put obstacles in your way until basically there's nothing left. So yeah, this is fine. I'd like to see this like contract on a, on a pole match kind of thing. Not really on a pole, but a, like a ladder match with the, can we get them a paddle on a pole match, Joel? Uh, no, I want I want the contract in a briefcase. <laughs> I want Wardlow to be fighting for his, you know, his agency within mm-hmm. AEW, and you know, and then it would be sweet if like the the next dynamite kicked off with him like sitting down ironing out details of his contract with you know some person in official capacity for for AEW. 
whether that's Tony Khan or somebody else. I think it'll be a cool cold open. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This has been great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up something I, I necessarily didn't like. Um, man, the crowd was dead for Marina Schaffer. Uh, and I agree with you. This was not the right person to have her wrestle because you had two probably we can consider raw or just not as experienced talents in this match. The match felt a little choppy. There was no energy in it. And I kind of have just an issue with this build in general. Um, They've been hyping this up for a while. This is Jade Cargill's 30th title 30. She's going for 30, and know, and you're hyping up this challenger. It's kind of the, one of the only challengers they've kind of hyped up so far in this thing. Cause she's done mostly done these one-offs kind of like we've, I mentioned kind of like the cream puff title defenses. This is the first one that's had a bit of a build and I'm, I'm just, I'm not excited for it at all. And I'm worried about putting, cause we both love Jade. Like I've, I've converted. I'm, I'm Jade's amazing. I do worry about her being in a, big match like this with someone who isn't like someone who's not even as experienced as her. Like, and maybe this is just like, I don't like the ex MMA fighter. Like I, they just don't work for me in wrestling. Something about them. Like, I, I don't know, but yeah. What are your thoughts on this troll? Cause I, I'm a little concerned. So I saw some things that I liked from Marina Shafir. Uh, I, I think she's has a lot of strength and power, Uh, And I think she has a lot of interesting technique. I thought the submission finish looked absolutely brutal. Uh, A triangle choke where you've trapped someone's arm and leg and head all in the same (laughs) hold. Like, that's pretty cool. So I liked that a lot. I thought some of her throws were good. Um, I I think they need to lean into the technical stuff and lean away from the bruiser stuff, especially when you're juxtaposing her with Jade Cargill. Like, yeah, she's not going to look physically imposing in the ring with Jade. She's just not. No one in this division does. Uh, So you have to play to her strengths. And I think the judo background is something that can really work. I liked the presentation. I thought her music was kind of ominous and threatening. Um, I don't know if that's like the Moldovan national anthem or something. Uh, they didn't really talk about it, but commentary mm-hmm. kind of sucks for women's matches in all major wrestling promotions. Uh, so, like, I-, I think the commentary could have done a lot better job of, you know, selling yeah. this match. Uh, but mostly, I just think someone more experienced should have been out there. Someone who knew how to get into position and knew where to throw their body for each of these these throws because it seemed like Shafir had to do all the heavy lifting and that sky wasn't em- really uh, timing Riho. things perfectly. Riho, Emi Sakura, Emi Sakura, I think would be like a perfect person, you know, it's going to make you look good. Mm-hmm. It's going to sell your shit. Um, I think one thing about this too is, you know, you're building her up as a title contender. She hasn't been on dynamite or rampage. And yeah. I know a lot of people watch dark and elevation, but I think and we've talked about this before, AEW can't assume the general average AEW fan knows what's going on on those shows. And you could have like, you could have done the same kind of build as hook, have her on rampage squash matches. At least we'll see her week in, week out, week in, week out. 
where now I'm like, I don't, why should she be considered a threat? Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I, I'm not going to like thumbs down chauffeur long-term because I just think she's being put in a position that she's, she's just, she's most likely just going to be set up to fail. Well, we know she's going to lose the match, right? And I think that's a tough position to be in. So you need to be interesting. You need to have some element that you bring to this match that makes it compelling. Like, oh, I'm interested to see what Jade Cargill versus this person looks like. And I think there's a lot of women in the division for whom that's been the case. Uh, This match, not sold on it yet. I'm excited because I love Jade. Uh, But... By the you way, know, by the way, you mentioned like no one in the AEW's women's division can like stand physically next to her. How many women in professional wrestling can like that you would look at like, oh, yeah, they're a physical matchup for Jade. Where it's I mean, like, there's okay, only two names that come to mind. Jordan and, Grace and Charlotte. Well, I, I wasn't thinking of Jordan Grace, actually, but Jordan Grace, I mean, she's she's quite short. She's um, short, but she's so, just, she's like, yeah, Taz, like, I'm going to fuck yeah, you up. She would absolutely physically stack up. That is, that is true. I did not think of that, but no, but I who's was the thinking other one? of Charlotte and Bianca. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we're talking about like, this isn't yeah, two of the biggest pack. stars in all of women's wrestling, in yeah. all of women's wrestling. <laughs> um, like I, I, we, I, we've talked about this before. I, I, it could be an issue getting the TBS title belt off of her at some point. If we don't have so incredible, like I honestly think the only person in AEW right now that would be like, yeah, I can see that would be Tony Storm or um, fucking Britt Baker. Like, I, to be honest, I'm good with it. If she holds oh, yeah. the belt for two for years, I'm good with it. If she's she goes getting the Roman Reigns treatment, if she gets the fucking Goldberg <laughs> treatment, and we just tune in, it's like, oh, she's 174 and 0 now. Like, I don't mind. I don't. I really no, don't. I mean, I don't. I don't either. So it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, it, it's it's all good, man. But yeah, I hopefully that match isn't isn't awful. But uh, we need to speed this up because this is a longer episode than usual. I'm stealing one from you, sir. Um, why were sorry? What what is two going by? What are their their character names? Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. Okay, why weren't they in the plane? Why? Why? Like, they're supposed to all travel together, you know, that they're a faction. Why weren't they in the plane? I, I didn't I didn't get that. And then, too, does Jack Swagger just fly on private jets with no fucking shirt on? Like, I wouldn't put it past him. I don't know. I, I loved that. I love that segment. I love that Eddie Kingston sings, I'm going to steal your shoes, which is like... Um, which is so fucking funny because didn't he steal the young buck sneakers when they yes. were feuding with him and Mox? Yes. <laughs> so I hope that this continues. I hope in kayfabe that he just literally you one day you go to his house and it's just the shoes of other wrestlers that he <laughs> defeated. Like he has a whole like you know how Batista has like his his lunchbox collection. It's just a wall full of other wrestlers' kicks. Um, <laughs> but this was fun. You know the the heels getting the win. Um, you know I don't think the story is done. I think. You know, there was hints that there's going to be blood and guts again from Tony Khan. I could easily see, you know, Kingston, Proud and Powerful, finding two other people to join them in a blood and guts match against this group. And I think that would be fantastic. So, yeah, I'm enjoying Chris Jericho again, Joel, which it's been a while. Uh, This refresh is working. Yeah. So, Mike, we are 
43 and a half minutes into recording this episode <laughs> and we haven't talked about CM Punk and Penta Oscuro. Holy shit. What this was really a match. Fun. What a match. And I think there was some real impressive veteran savvy on display here. Um, we got a pretty significant botch in this match. Because, um, I, I mean, I suppose it could have been planned, but it did not look planned. Uh, when when Punk missed the top rope and, and crashed down and then, you know, resulted in him, you know, lying in the corner holding his knee. I'm pretty sure he was 100% fine. I'm pretty sure he knew he was 100% fine and thought like, okay, if I, I need want to people this. to focus on something other than the fact that I just fucked up, then I need to make them immediately concerned for me. And that is smart. That is so smart. And then I wouldn't put it past him to have changed the rest of the match and for he and Penta to have been calling it in the ring the rest of the way to focus on his knee more and sell that. And, you know, those are two guys who can absolutely pull that off. And I just, I was blown away by the quality of this match and just how impressive it was. And because it went on first, it didn't stick in our minds like some of these other things that we saw, but like, holy shit, this match was incredible. What's wild is, he sold it. He sold the botch that the knee thing that I only knew it was a botch when I was on Twitter post match. Like people saying, Oh, yeah, CM Punk had a botch in the assumption. Like, where was that? Like, you had to go back and find it because I, you know, he they did such a good job of making that the emphasis focus on the leg. Um, there was also some stuff from CM Punk here that we haven't seen him do since he's joined AEW. Some of the lucha style moves on the ropes and stuff, like the little kind of what spinning off the rope type of thing um, into the arm bar or whatever. Um, and then catching Penta for the, the go to sleep too was really impressive. So that was really impressive. And yeah. I don't think that's a catch that he makes six months ago. No, he looks a lot. He like, he, he has his sea legs back under him. Yeah. If it feels it's like the core strength, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the big thing is the core strength because it's, it's the balance. It's the ability to, you know, take that weight and not have your body go with it. <laughs> Remember, he there was some early in his early like first couple weeks. He, he, there was some times where he struggled to get someone upright or almost like tumbled on his ass going for the go to sleep. So I think he's just I think he's back in his element, back in his groove. Not to mention, not to say those matches weren't good because we talked about how like wow that Darby Allen match was. You can tell that he's just a master at 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 this. Mm-hmm. Like he he is beyond what the average wrestler is so um yeah and just fucking tony yeah yeah you want one dream match on dynamite no 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 no. you're gonna get two dream matches on dynamite um and i saw people like whining because i think a match got bumped when this match got announced like another previously announced match i'm like guys 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 we're getting cm punk and pentagon in 2022 i who would have fucking mentioned penta looks incredible incredible yes. right now pencil looks like, great and i, I don't I'm, think i've ever seen him looking this lean and mean he's always kind of been just a little you know he's got a little belly and he's a little thicker and which you i know, liked like it's yeah, fine it right like i i like when people look different from one another and you know it, it helps when everybody doesn't have the same body type yeah but man he looks really good he must be on the santana program dude 
Santana looks bigger and Ortiz looks smaller. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Santana took some of his life force. Like, no, 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 no. These go to my biceps now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it probably is just because Santana's gotten so like in shape and big. But like Ortiz, Ortiz looks so small compared to him and Kingston. It, it's it's wild. Um, but yeah, I, I really want that Pentagon like legitimate singles run because like we know that he can carry like a division. We know he can carry a top title in a company. And even if it's a short one, like I want him in that. I want to like, give me a, give me a little, a little story with hangman pages champion and, and, and Pentagon, you know, just give me like three, four weeks of that. And I'll be a happy camper. So I'm, I'm um, here for it. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, I don't think there's uh, anything else that I have to talk about, and we are running super long. Yeah. So. I'm going to have one of my buddies make us a new drop, Joel, and it's just going to be Joel has to talk about Hangman Page right now. Because, <laughs> um, like, I we don't... I never get to I never get to open with a hangman page topic anymore. I give you opportunities because <laughs> you always beat me to you, it. You just got to go there first if you want to beat me to it because, you know, it's uh, in my contract. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to renegotiate that in like seven months. So well, you, you'll just have to get in touch with Mark <laughs> Sterling. then. He, he handles all my affairs. <laughs> How can you afford him? All right, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. We will make sure we're back on our normal schedule. We had a, just a little issues last week trying to get the recording done. But uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at The Other Wrestling Show, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. Get the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Tune, tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're there. Hit us up. And uh, Joel, anything, uh, anything to say before I uh, pass out? Well, one correction the twitter is at ows underscore pod remember everybody and, uh, likes the order. duck the clothesline and happy wrestling i mean technically if you search the other wrestling show you will find it you don't have to use the at and i just accidentally deleted the outro so i have to add that back myself <laughs> later <laughs> bye everyone <laughs> remember everybody life's a work duck the clothesline and happy wrestling bye.